0: to the 78th edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast that is pumped for Farkas' football war. It's Michael Bailey here, I cover the Canaries for the Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, £70 million, Mateus' 12-pack and Quebec of the net, Norwich ins. Uh, Leicester and Bournemouth still happened, and at least we're not Arsenal fans. We will work through all that and more with our guests this fine August just about evening. They are Norwich number wang Chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Hello, Michael. How are you? Very well, thank you very much, Steve. We've also got BBC Radio Norfolk presenter and new dad, so go easy on him, Phil Daly what day is it? (laughs) (laughs) And finally, on the ball debutant, City fan and budding journalist and program seller, I forgot to put that one in, Anna Say. Hi. There we go. They are our panel this evening. Thanks uh, so much for joining us, guys. Uh, Steve, how are you doing? A top job on the hosting last week, by the way. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, missed you, obviously. You know, it's uh you
1: make it look it well actually to be fair i didn't do the whole i
0: didn't do this whole live bit so it was quite i had it easier really um charles, charles dickens pun run that's all i'm saying i wish i could produce that sort of quality yeah
2: that's
1: uh that's what people were calling for you know that's what they call And michael just doesn't reference charles dickens enough
0: so uh you yeah, give the people what they want that's, that's what well you nailed it and it was a terrific pod last week so well done um philip how lovely to see you. Uh, you. Obviously, for the audio listeners, you are currently set up just as you pop up on my computer when we have a Daniel Farker press conference at Colney in, in by the way, a room you built yourself.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is actually where um, the, the breakfast bulletins come from on BBC Radio Norfolk. So I'll be here tomorrow at six o'clock in the morning preparing well for sleep a, there. For the sleep I there. might as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, I probably could. <laughs> i mean this is my in fact if i did sleep here i wouldn't be with a screaming baby so it's quite a good idea
0: well there we go we are changing lives on the on the ball <laughs> podcast tonight which is great lovely to see you phil uh, anna you're in a resplendent norwich looks like a baseball shirt
3: new, my fancy new jacket i just wanted to show it off
0: it's very cool well done i think the club will, will thank us for that as well how are you thank you so much for joining us on on the ball
3: i'm great i'm looking forward to it i've got plenty of opinions to bring
0: Well, good. You can dish those out and spread them on the Norwich Faithful. I'm sure they'll they'll enjoy them very much. Um, It's part of why we're here, isn't it? I reckon we uh, should crack on with uh, this week's headline act, which is still short of a... sting but let me get that sorted um, uh, for the international break just give me a tick for goodness sake um there is no other place to start really than what has been the last 24 hours ending just a few hours ago with Norwich's ninth signing of the summer in terms of centre-back Ozan Kabak uh, they made their eighth signing of the summer about this time on Sunday night with the arrival of defensive midfielder yes you heard right defensive midfielder Mateus Norman from Rostov. Both are on loan. Both have the options of permanent deals. Both could total um, £25 million worth of business, I think, if Norwich, A, stay up. um, Because although they're not actually dependent on Norwich staying up, the the fact Norwich could afford them probably is. Um, uh, And, um, yeah, permanent deals possibly if Norwich do the business, which if these players deliver, Steve, what I guess we're all hoping... They can, and their background maybe suggests they could be able to do, then we'll be laughing.
1: Yeah, yeah. If they're both <laughs> absolutely brilliant, then uh, we'll be on our way in, in heading into Europe, won't we? Um, I think, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, as you know, I'm a massive fan of the Russian league and I watch it regularly, particularly Rostov. Now, I, I don't really know a great deal about Norman or Kabak, um, but I think it's pretty. I think it's a a widely held opinion amongst our fan base that we needed a defensive midfielder and we needed a centre back. And I think it's probably clever business to get them in on loan rather than commit ourselves to a huge fee. And um, I read your article on Norman this morning and I know it's not necessarily conditional on us staying up as to whether we sign him permanently or not. But you've got to think that we ain't signing if we go down no matter how good he is at £11 million, whatever the figure is. but yeah, it's, it's exciting. I mean, I was trying to think the last time we signed two lone players on the same day, and I don't know whether that was going back as far as Huckabee and Crouch, but um, it, it's uh, it, it has that kind of feel to it because they're two players that could change our season. And certainly, as far as Norman goes, I can't think of another transfer where there's so much resting on him being a success. Um, you know, we'll talk about Leicester um, shortly, but that that game we we so badly needed the, the assets that he will hopefully be able to bring um and quite honestly i can't see a midfield without that kind of player this season and us being a success so we absolutely need him to hit the ground running um and hopefully he does i have no idea but um hope seemed to be high so
0: i mean it, it did feel um it did feel anna as if it got to the point where norwich effectively just need we almost wanted them to sign any defensive midfielder because it was that, it was that sort of gaping. It felt what what the hole was. So, I guess to a degree, as long as Matthias is is kind of competent at his job, surely that would be an improvement for the eleven.
3: Well, i you'd think so. I mean, I like a guy who is sure of himself and confident about what he can bring to the, to the team, and I seem to get that vibe from him when I watched his um, interview. And I think that it was one of the few things that all Norwich fans could could agree on because we could have the best center backs in the world but without that protection in front of them they're not going to be able to hold out for 90 minutes so it was a a big hole to fill from good old ollie skit from last season and i'm just hoping that he's the guy to fill it
0: i mean i suppose this is this is the point um from me writing the piece that uh, steve um sort of re- reference there which was on the athletic by the way um on on on, Mate- on i gotta say Mateus, Mateus. uh phil was this 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 idea that um that as a as a defensive midfielder it's just going to need to be someone who's fairly competent and that is quite clearly a hole in the in 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 the team so i guess yeah f- even if he has maybe been given a bit more time and space in in russia you'd like to think that there's something more, more with norwich to play with
2: yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, he, I think he is the most important signing of the window, really, isn't he? Because you talk about all of the, the quality Norwich have got and we talk about all the different players that can move around. And, you know, I, I think Kenny was brilliant at, at the weekend, but, you know, he can play in so many different positions. You, you want someone who just does that job. That's why we used to love Alexander Tetty. No ideas of grandeur, really. The odd one now and again. But, you know, just do your job. Just, just stay in front of the back four and, and do your job and that's why Ollie Skip was so good really wasn't he you know great engine room um you, you talk about him being confident anna with that haircut that he's got he's got to be confident i mean <laughs> the amount of players who used to get abused for wearing white boots and he's turning up with the uh, silver hair you know
3: oh, i don't I'm know really he's, a, he's not a- He's already a favourite of the Lady fans. I'll like play that. <laughs> sure well, is. I
0: mean, I mean, none of us would have clothes on if we looked like him. Let's let's <laughs> be quite clear here. I have to be. Um, I have to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I had to reference Ollie Skip in my athletic piece because it feels like that's kind of the obvious comparison that all Norwich fans are looking for. Really, they want someone who can do that job. I mean, it does. And again, if I felt this. It does really emphasise uh, Phil the. The, the hole that Oli has left because of what he's gone on to do with Tottenham, that's almost like the added extra, isn't it? Not only has he gone on and started every Premier League game for Spurs, but by the way, they've also won them all. And by the way, they're top of the league, which is which yeah. is nuts. And I mean, it's interesting watching him because as a, I, as people who with good memories will know, I was kind of questioning whether he was ready for that step into a Spurs team. And actually... It, positionally, in the way he's the way he's going about the job, you can see he's still quite raw for a team playing at that mm. level. But I guess everyone else around him is kind of keeping that ticking, keep, keeping that ticking over with him.
2: Me, me too. I, I thought exactly the same. I thought you know he's he's a Premier League quality player, but but is he a a top four Premier League player at the moment? You know, I, I fully believe he'll go on to be at, you know probably at the very top of the game, be an England international. But I, I did think at the moment. Is he, you know, is he just going to sit on the bench every week for Spurs? And, and we know that he he can play every minute of, of every game. So I, I'd love to know how long Norwich were hanging on for to to just see if Spurs were going to continue to give him a go. And you know, let's be honest, it's a brutal business, isn't it? If he hadn't performed in the first game or two of the season, he might then have been cast aside to to go and get more regular game time with Norwich or or someone else. But um, yeah, he he is definitely the person who needed to be filled because he was just so good last year. And, and let's be honest, we're always talking about you know the back four or the front striker. So it, the glory ends the field. But, yet he was so good at doing what he needed to do last season. And that allowed everyone else to do their jobs properly. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But, you know, there's going to be, and there was on you know, Canary Call from our side of things at the weekend, Oh, is Gibson still good enough to be in the Premier League? Should he be taken out? Well, whatever level of football you play at, if your back four is exposed constantly to Premier League strikers, you will concede goals. So that's why someone in front of them is just so important i uh, i wanted to just make that last ollie skip point because that i hope is the last
0: time we ever mention. <laughs> <laughs> just just in terms of it being done now um but i was thinking the other day it should be lovely when he comes to caray road with Spurs. i hope that you know the norwich fans give him the, uh, the the thanks that he that he deserves um maybe up until kickoff and then leave it there but i might come on to that point later on as well <laughs> um on a different matter um So Matthias Norman is in. That's exciting. He is away with Norway over the international break. So quite what happens when he comes in will be interesting and we may well talk about that in a bit. Uh, That was Sunday evening. Um, Read a piece on The Athletic about that because I've gone into quite a bit of detail in terms of how that's happened. A real interesting uh, fact that Norwich have have gone down the patience route of getting a higher class target than maybe they would have done two years ago, which I find really interesting. Similar, really, with with Ozan Kabak, who I think... um, I mean, it's remarkable, really, and how this this you know Norwich were linked with a player like this. Yet no one really knew about it until a day or two ago, when basically he was on his he was flying into Norwich and twelve hours later. So by that point, it's kind of like Norwich are pretty were pretty much there. I was trying to work out whether he was coming in to have a look around or coming in because they kind of got it sorted and and could finish it off. And it was it was the latter, which kind of surprised me in a way. So. Um, yeah, uh, what do you make of this one? Because this this is a I just a signing I didn't expect Norwich to make in terms of the quality.
3: Well, I'm certainly quite happy with this one. I think it's a a nice problem for Farker to have because every, everyone's talking about now constantly on like Twitter of who their preferred starting lineups would be, and everybody's got a different idea. Everybody wants a different player in there, and to have Quebec there, I think it's brilliant because not only will he bring the quality, he'll Hopefully, push the others to up their performances as well. And I'm wondering now, like, should he start? But then, do you drop Gibson and Hanley? And where does that lead? somebody like Zimmerman? It, like I said, it's a it's a nice problem to have, and it's really felt like that final piece of the puzzle. And like everybody said, now there's no excuses. It's down to them now. They've got to do put out the performances.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, Ozan has a free. Well, I don't know if he's away with with Turkey over the international break. I'm not actually sure, to be honest. Um, but uh, that will be what that is. He he's played on both sides of a centre back pairings, and he's I think he's predominantly right footed. But he he made all his appearances for Liverpool while on loan last season uh, on the left. I mean. Uh, Again, there's another piece on The Athletic looking into to Ozan's sort of uh, recent background, especially, which is quite interesting because I think there's this perception that he didn't do very well at Liverpool. And in reality, he had a difficult start, but he actually did do quite well. And it was more a question of them wanting to go for a target in Canate that was going to cost them 35 million pounds uh and and then having enough options to kind of not bother with with Schalke so um and that's in a Liverpool team that kind of recovered and also he played in the knockout stages of the Champions League Steve I mean now he's at now he's at Norwich I've already had some of my editors sort of uh suggest that he uh you know he was expecting a Champions League club to come in and it didn't so that's why he looked a bit miserable in some of the pictures to which I I sent them a picture of him with a big smiley face on saying it wasn't true
1: it, it it does feel like a coup. Um, I there's there's a part of me that I think let's reserve judgment. I don't want to pour water on anyone's bonfire here because it, like, you know, it is the kind of player who we don't normally sign. He is a name that I think people recognise. I was just looking at who he'd been at before though, and he's twenty one and he's been relegated twice already in the Bundesliga. Oh, stick! Come on, Steve. Said, hey, you know I, we can't we can't all just be giving you know. I love it. That's why you're here. I, I think I look. I clearly the potential's there. Um, but at 21 years of age, I, to me, I still think he will only play. It's the same with Gibson and Hanley. I think they'll only be good if they've got that good defensive midfielder in front of them. And I think the Gibson and Hanley partnership was brilliant last season. I wonder if it's just been a little bit exposed because of the lack of Ollie Skip. Sorry, i have mention him again. Um, so that's why I feel like the Norman thing is key. I'd say Kabak's ceiling almost certainly higher than any other centre-back that we have at the club and probably allows us to play with a back three, which is something that I think Fark would maybe quite like to do this season, but perhaps doesn't have the confidence in our current centre-backs to do that. Um, but I don't know. I want to reserve judgment just because I don't think he's going to be the kind of centre-back to come in and organise the defence. Um, I think, But I do think if we can integrate him in, give him a bit of time, which you may not have, then I think we could see a really good player there. Yeah, it will be think,
0: really interesting. Go Phil.
2: That's the I think Steve's absolutely spot on. But you know, you don't need him to organize the defense when you've got Grant Hanley there, do you? You you need him to do the, the, the dirty work and maybe I mean I say the, the leg work, but Hanley's one of the fastest players we've got, despite the fact that he doesn't always look look like it when he's running. Um I, I think yeah, Steve's absolutely spot on. The the only thing I'd say different from the Liverpool side of things is that's the difference between norwich city and liverpool isn't it liverpool need a center back that is champions league quality right now norwich need one who's fourth from bottom in the premier league you know that that realistically is 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 what we need right now and he's got the ability to be much better than that and you know maybe one of the top four clubs would have would have bought him and stuck him in the squad you know Norwich have got hold of him, and we'll give him game time, and that's always the card that Norwich want to play, don't they with with young players who have got the ability that they they will you know hopefully touch what he says but but give them game time
1: well what I would say just to add to that as well is I think now if we do stay up you know with these two players and we do sign them permanently we've we've got the potential to have a run you know, I'm getting ahead of myself I know we're currently nine. I can't, I, I can't see it? you you're so far ahead I can't say <laughs> um, so but if we do finish fourth and bottom or wherever we do finish, um, I think, you know, they're building for the future. Um,
0: I, I think it's been an exciting window and, and this has finished it off quite nicely. It's definitely done that. Um I did throw out the figure 70 million pounds at the start um just to uh, offer up the my fag packet con uh, c- calculations um that was basically yeah uh, and Gibson's permanent options at the start of the summer which haven't really been included in this in this uh, in this summer's budget but they they have come about this summer in terms of paying out then all the signings and then what Norwich have committed to pay if they stay up um, and take the options on these two. I mean it's Still a lot of money. I've never known Norwich to even go anywhere near committing that amount of money. That obviously includes 33 million quid that they've made from uh, that they've made from Emmy Buendia. Let's not forget that, too. But still, um, we should probably add the the other news today. Melvin City's contract mutual termination. He has yeah. he has left the club. That was uh, on the other end of the scale, really a, a cheap, risky uh, deal to see if some if it would stick and it didn't so <laughs> and didn't work and everyone's moved on so that will almost certainly be the last mention of Melbourne City I would have thought uh, Norwich also uh, done ins in terms of done with all their ins so I don't expect anything else now obviously because Daniel farker has got enough issues getting all these players in he doesn't want any more to have to worry about um, by the same token. Um, I wouldn't expect anyone of um, significance to leave now. As much as some um, young Arsenal fans are determined to suggest that Max Aarons is, is going to be a is going to be a deadline day target. If you think Norwich are selling him in the final twenty four hours of the window, um, I would be I would be uh, amazed. So um, are we all are we all really happy? Is it, is it are we at a window where we like? I don't know if there's anything else we would want done. Bearing in mind, I suppose, we are still reserving judgment on the business, Phil, that has actually been done.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we love about a transfer window, is we get excited about all the players we've brought in. But um, as Norwich fans, and we don't need to drag up the names, we've been burnt before, haven't we? So, you know, this is is the one time that we can talk about how excited we are before they kick a ball. Um, Yes. and And then we can worry about it as we go through. I mean... Uh, some of the signings they have brought in, you know, and we'll talk about the cup game very soon. Yeah, there were there were moments where they looked good over the course of the Premier League season. Is where we'll find out whether they're, they're they're Premier League quality or not. And and if they are, and if they're as good as we hope they are, you know, looking at that squad, it's been a very good win day. But you know, we just won't know until it happens because you know, as I say, we've we've been burnt before. I was we were looking back to last time we were in the Premier League, and we we talk about how Norwich really didn't recruit well. Actually. Uh, during the summer, we did recruit a few players that we did start to get excited about. It's only in hindsight that you've forgotten all about them. You know, we were talking about it at the weekend. Amadou, Ibrahim Amadou, came in. And he was a player who was valued at X million and, and had this experience. And, yeah, he, he spent a lot of time playing out of position. But, but he was <laughs> awful as a, as a defensive midfielder. So, let, let's just... <gasps> Whoa!
0: I don't know if I'm going to have that.
2: I don't know if I'm going to have that.
0: But uh, he wasn't good, was he, Michael? No, yeah. well, I don't, we, when, when did we? When did we see him as a defensive midfielder? Yeah, when did we see him? Yeah, for thirty minutes at Southampton, where to be honest, everyone was rubbish. So, uh, um, you know, but yeah, yeah, a uh, point taken, certainly. And I think there is, it does bode well, maybe that the certainly these latter two signings feel like. Daniel Farker really wants them and would maybe get stuck into them. Maybe that wasn't quite there with Amadou. Uh, Anna, is there anything you would have liked from this window or are you sort of all there?
3: Well, for me, it that really was the final piece of the puzzle. You look at all the positions that we felt needed to be addressed and they've addressed them all. Obviously, like everyone else has commented, we have to wait until we see what they can do. But at the moment, it doesn't really feel like Norwich could have done much more in terms of really giving it a go I think certain pundits out there can't exactly say that we're not giving it a go this time because this is the most I've ever seen them give give it a go and I'm, I'm really excited about it
0: well you say that Anna if they can get 100 uh, likes and retweets off the back of it they'll still say it don't worry um uh, well, there we go. Then, um, we'll, we'll cut off any, any suggestion about Max Aaron's obviously. The uh, the transfer window closes at 11 pm on Tuesday. Um, I'm not envisaging having to do any work like the last two days over the next 24 hours, so take that from me. Um, we'll we'll see how it how it goes because there are probably still some players at Norwich have signed where i a little bit um, reserving of judgment still as well, which probably brings us um, on to the Leicester game if we can. Norwich is third. Uh, Premier League defeat (laughs) just to bring everyone back down to earth it's a bit like um, you defrosting your freezer today Um, Steve we've got all the cold water now to pour left over to pour over our heads I mean um, the Leicester game where did you where did you see that because I, I I'm a little bit torn and I can see both I could see a quite scary first 25 minutes when Norwich were getting completely overrun and being left sort of 5v3 whenever Leicester chose to counter and playing at a completely different tempo and then I saw the sort of last 50 minutes where Norwich really competed and probably to be honest should have been allowed their equaliser maybe yeah. oh, um, I don't know
1: <laughs> probably about mm. right um I mean the first thing I wanted to say was I, I found the whole thing like so enjoyable I mean obviously not the result like take take the result away <laughs> and the VAR away I love those games where we're sort of underdogs, and it feels like the crowd need to get behind the team, but we're, we're still in the game. Liverpool kind of felt like we were never, re- you know, we were, as soon as we went two 0 down, it was it was over. Whereas we were in that game right until the very end. So I thought, it, and the first half was like incredibly frenetic and end to end, not great quality, but it was it was a, a really entertaining game, and and exactly, you know, that's what being in the Premier League is all about for me. I, I think you pretty much have summed it up really. I I think. We played much better um, and it was heartening to see us compete. But I haven't really seen that much of this as a narrative and I'm glad of like, well, Leicester came fifth last year. So, you know, it's a tough game and they're a good side. They didn't play that well, I didn't think. Yeah. And I think if they were to play like that at other teams who are going to be around us and in inverted commas, I think other teams would get points from from that. And that's the problem really is because, It's a playbook that we were reading off a lot a couple of seasons ago. We played quite well. We gave away silly goals. We didn't take our chances and we kind of let teams off the hook. So it does feel like a missed opportunity. And yeah, uh, I kind of came away thinking should have got something out of that.
0: Yeah, two things I'll pick up on there, Phil, um, because it it struck me that I came out away from that game thinking, well, Leicester are going to do very well to get anywhere near where they finished last year. And I know they had issues. I, I thought actually in the first 20 minutes, they looked like a side trying to kind of prove a point, having been thrashed the previous week. And I thought they had that zip about them. But I thought they did lose that. And in the second half, they kind of, they struggled to find anywhere near the same tempo. It was only really one attack that got them, got them. All three points. And I didn't really like, and I was thinking about this when Steve was talking about Quebec because he is only 21. I didn't really like the fact that Daniel Farker kept referring to the fact that he had young players and they're going to make mistakes because I don't want the narrative all season to be well, we've got a young team, so they're going to make mistakes because ultimately I I know that he wants to play young players, but I I don't want
2: the excuse. I want them just to learn really quickly and be good. Yeah, I mean, it depends who he's really referring to when he says that. You know, Williams made the mistake. Well, you know, he'd started loads of games for Manchester United at the end of last season and you've brought him in and played him in front of someone you've spent millions of pounds on. So you, you obviously fancy him enough to, to come straight into the squad and do well. So I, I totally agree. That, that excuse will only last so long, won't it? Um, and how many times have we said about Norwich City... If you make a mistake, you can't keep making the same mistake. And and again, it was especially for the first goal, getting in down uh, the Norwich left-hand side and getting the ball in. And, you know, his centre-halves are not uh, spring chickens, are they? And they were backing off and gave, you know, players like Jamie Vardy far too much room. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I was really heartened by the performance. Leicester weren't great, definitely. They certainly weren't at the levels you'd have expected from them. Um, especially after the first twenty minutes or so, but as Steve said, you know that the joy of football is the the ups and downs, the roller coaster of it, and there were there were some ups. So it depends how um, full you want your glass to be, <laughs> and whether it's half empty or half full. But I, I can see it from both sides. I I really enjoyed the game. I felt like Norwich deserved the equaliser. Um, And that would have felt quite different had it not gone against them with VAR, wouldn't it? I think a few people would have been feeling a lot more positive.
0: I don't think there's much we can argue with in terms of the VAR call because he was offside. I would like to see an image from the other side of the ground to see exactly where the Leicester defender was. Because you can't see if a player's level if they're behind. The player ball behind Todd Campbell. and then a bit of me just thinking: Oh, if Todd had just taken half a step back, <laughs> just as someone's about to head it, he would have been onside. It would have made no material difference to anything. Casper Schmeichel was never saving Kenny McLean's header, and we'd have been all away. But can
1: I uh, can I just make the yes. point? Sorry to
0: jump in before and said anything mm. on the game. But
1: um my issue with VAR, I mean, VAR is always right, and and people who who then it's the same with the Liverpool Chelsea game with the recent James Handball, I kind of think. You can't you can't argue with an, an official who's qualified to know all the rules and will, will they will always get that decision right by the laws of the game so quibbling over that stuff I mean I didn't really think our penalty was a penalty but yeah. it was given so there you go the issue I have is that I thought the the delay for the penalty completely sucked all of the energy out of the game at that moment there's about three four minutes where we just kind of after you know a fairly kind of end to end 10 minutes before that it was like okay now we've got to stand sit around and wait while the penalties and I didn't really like cheer when the penalty was given and then the goal gets disallowed at the end and I kind of feel cheated because I was like I celebrated that goal I wanted that to be a good moment and it's been taken away over you know I know people said there's a million times about VAR but it's been taken away over a matter of inches and it was right, you know, great, well done, we got it right, but
0: <laughs> not football. So <sorry. laughs> that- Steve doesn't want right, he wants Norwich to just score regardless. The the the, the 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 issue with that I have is if you ignored VAR, actually that goal would have just been disallowed by the linesman's flag.
2: Okay. <laughs> and and I I, yeah, he did okay, flag well, and yeah. I in, saw what, what a call by the linesman, though, because when you have to go back to the AR and say it's within, you know, a centimetre well, and the Linos go, oh, yeah, yeah easily, easily again. Done. Again, I haven't seen whether the Leicester
0: player is level or not. And I don't really know how anyone's made that decision because all I've seen is one side where all you can see is Todd. So I don't know if he's, I mean, bearing in mind what we were drawing lines with. <laughs> You know, it could be anything sticking out from him to be honest. Exactly. Who been knows? Out. But there we go. It's all part of the fun. Um, and I mean, how did you feel at the VAR moment?
3: Oh, how long do you last? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not that but long.
3: That, that was a difficult one because you like like Steve said, you, you feel cheated, you celebrate that moment, and all of a sudden it gets taken away, and you're just waiting around to see whether you can carry on celebrating whether you feel deflated. And it was a hard one to take, and I mean, it must have been hard for the players because they celebrated as well, and nobody could blame them for letting their heads drop in the last few minutes because that's got to be hard to take. I mean, I think anybody nowadays would rather sit in the pub after a match and complain about a bad official than have a VAR decision taken away from them by the matter of inches.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is true. Although I, I I still would rather have VAR, I have to say, but maybe that's because I'm not in the stand paying money. So uh, maybe I have to get my head around that one myself. Um, Anna, let's, um, were you at the Bournemouth game as well? Yes, I was. Wonderful. Well, let's let's just wrap up that bit. I mean, 6-0, lots of positives from that. I know we didn't get to see uh, Christos Jolis on, uh, on Saturday because of a calf injury and, and he'll be here rather than in Greece because of that now, but hopefully he, he won't be too long Back uh, the other side of the international break, but um nice couple of glimpses from him and first goals for Josh Sargent. And you know what could be better rewards than a home tie against Liverpool in the fourth round, it's third rede- round?
3: It's redemption. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, was a, it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful occasion, wasn't it at Carroll Road?
3: Absolutely. And what I really loved about the team was it was a team that was playing like they were desperate to be in the starting lineup and it doesn't matter who you're playing against you can play with desire and passion and you can press them and you can force the errors and you can go in for those 50-50 balls it doesn't matter who you're playing against and it made a nice change from the Man City game I know yes it was against Man City but the thing is like in the first half of the Man City game all I saw was standing off parking the bus letting them come at us and it was a completely different match when it came to Bournemouth I know two different teams Bournemouth second team but passion and desire and intensity doesn't change whoever you're playing
0: it's uh it's amusing because in my head I I know Steve Cook had been mentioned to me once or twice over the summer um as a potential centre-back recruit which which seemed less laughable after they got um you know Knocked back by Gary Cahill, which is all seems a hilarious conversation now. Norwich have signed Eisenker back, but um, yeah, watching Steve Cook again for for Bournemouth on, on Tuesday night was, was kind of a bit wince inducing, especially by the end. Where let's be honest, Steve, they kind of gifted Norwich three three goals, but yeah. you know, great, great for Josh Sargent. I think that was a you know, really good for him. And you even against Leicester, then you could see there was sort of a, a spring in his step as he bounced on the pitch as a substitute,
1: yeah, goals. Um four, five, and six were pretty terrible. I think they all resulted in, ball- they are all from Bournemouth players literally giving the ball to our yeah. attackers. Uh, <laughs> England was one of them as well, wasn't he? So I wonder if he just got confused um, as to who he's playing for at that point. I mean, yeah, it was great. Quite- and I thought um charles looked exceptional. Um cool. Although I did think, to be honest, our best player was, on the night was Brandon Williams, who then made a mistake within the first 10 minutes <laughs> of the follow-up game. So I think I uh, have to take it with a slight pinch of salt. Um, I did tweet about this after, but, um people, and it was a good crowd, wasn't it? Over 20,000. But people have yeah. really start, got to start going to these games if they want to see Norwich score goals, because we've scored uh three or more in the last eight home games in uh, Carabao Cup game matches. I suspect that will end after the... no. Midnight. It might, talking it might right? Sorry, I I'm I'm being <laughs> again, aren't I? It I, I it might, but it also might not, of course. But yeah, I I mean it was a it was just it was nice to see them really turn up and just and the new players clicking. Um and Phil mentioned Kenny being great on Saturday. I thought Kenny was brilliant on Tuesday as well. Had a
0: fantastic game. Well, that was kind of the key, wasn't it, Phil? I think that probably got him his start against Leicester because it was the first time since his injury where I thought, "Oh, there he is, there's Kenny," because he'd, he'd been struggling, to be honest, since coming back, which is fair enough because it was a nasty little injury.
2: I thought he was absolutely fantastic on on Tuesday night. I really do. I, I think he was the player of the match. Um, he, he pulled the strings in midfield. He was, you know, you could see he was just. He, he's one of those players, one of those guys that you know adores football. So to be back playing professionally again, you know, after his injury and missing out on the Euros, you could see how, it's like, you know, kid in a sweet shop type thing, being back. And it was a sweet shop as well, wasn't it? Because, <laughs> um, you know, I was getting overexcited at one point because of how good Norwich were. And then I was being reminded that I didn't recognise half the players on the, on the team sheet for Bournemouth. They, they were awful, but... You know, Norwich have played awful teams before and lost. So, you know, to go out and do the business, you, you can only play the players in front of you. And and to, to do what they did was great. You know, I thought Scholis was good. Um, I I didn't think he was exceptional on Tuesday. Night. I, only because I think it might even have been during one of the goals. You know, he missed a one on one from the from the left hand edge inside the box. And you think actually those are the chances that in the Premier League you need to put away because Norwich wouldn't have got the second ball and got the ball in the back of the net. But, you know, first game in England, I'm not going to pick holes, really. I'm I'm really excited to see him. I'm disappointed he got that calf injury because it would have been great to have seen him at the weekend.
0: Yeah, um, it's probably a, a good thing that Milot Rashica is, is looking like he's growing into his role and that probably gives a little bit of time for, for Christos to get himself right, which will hope, hopefully happen over over autumn when uh, Norwich got some very interesting Premier League fixtures coming up. Uh, but that is the action summed up. We've done a good job there. Right, um, as we approach the end of the first half, and I appreciate they're not really halves this week, so let's just take it as where we are. Uh, let's try to uh, maintain our concentration with our new feature on On The Ball, that is pick that one out. Yeah, still no sting. Uh, This is our new section. It's definitely nothing like the one we uh, used to do last season. Basically, the podders will get a 30-second window to bring up an issue uh, that they're struggling to let go. If uh, the buzzer goes, which I've got uh, here, I'm fully prepared. Hope you all heard that. Uh, If the buzzer goes, um, you have to then move on, and we'll move on to someone else. Uh, That will take us about 90 seconds. I think if my maths is correct, yeah, I think it, oh, it's been a long few days. Um, good, hope that all makes sense to everyone, including me. Um, Steve, fancy going first. I get to go for well, I've already had my rant about VA, I haven't I? So I have to,
3: talk am oh, yeah! I can't fit that into 30
1: seconds because that's um, have you got yeah. another one? Yeah, yeah, I've got, a, I've got But it's not really a rant, but um, it's, a it's all point. right, just pick. Tell you what, Steve, I'll pick that one out. out. Yeah, nice. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'll start then. Um, So, yeah, I just noticed that we've not had much possession in the last two games, and uh, that very much goes against how we played last season. 22 out of 24 games last season, we had more possession in our home matches. Um, This time we had less possession against both Bournemouth and Leicester. I wonder if that's bad for Tamu Puki and the way he likes to play. I'm not sure whether his movement is going to be appreciated as much. And I think it might be that might be good news for Josh Sargent in that we're like looking to get the ball up the field quicker, uh, and that's all I have to say on that
0: matter. Thank you. At least he scored, at least Tim got his first goal, albeit from the penalty spot. Great penalty, by the way, as well. Um, Anna, would you like to go uh, next? Can you uh pick that one out?
3: Well, I'm gonna talk a little bit more off the pitch stuff and I'm gonna talk about what, what you, I think you could it's I hate the word but you're gonna call them happy clappers. Oh, well, go for it!
0: Time's running out.
3: Oh, sorry. I'm gonna say that I personally think that more people should be what you call happy clappers because I can't understand the people who. Yes, we played some big teams. Yes, we played Man City, Liverpool, but I can't understand the people who go into those matches and go, "Oh yeah, Nate, we're probably going to lose this one." Oh yeah, we'll lose that one. No, I don't know if we're going to stay up because. Imagine if the players did that. Imagine if the players just went into a match and went, Oh, I'll probably lose this one. I just can't understand that. I go to every match. I, we could be playing Barcelona, and I'll be like, Well, you never know. We always stand a chance on the day. And I just think that it makes football so much more enjoyable to go there and believe in your team and believe that it doesn't matter who you're coming up against, you're going to get the win, and that the players we've got, they're going to do well, they're going to succeed.
0: Good work there. Uh, well, uh, well said. Anna. I mean, that, that filtered, I gave you a little bit of extra time, by the way. I let that run. I, I was, I was, I was full Mike, Mike Dean, just my arms are out playing, play on, play on. Um, Yeah, it was a very good point. And uh, well, interesting that this debate kind of came up with James Madison, isn't it? Because some fans really did take exception to James Madison being applauded off when he came off as a sub. (laughs) Um, But also some people seem to take exception to him being booed, (laughs) which happened after that. So I thought, you know what? I don't know if I really care about that bit, but um, I just, it did amuse me um, with that. I don't know. It doesn't really affect anything he did at the club, but well said, uh, Anna. Right. um, Philip, can you pick that
2: one out? I will try, Michael. Um, spare a thought for Norwich City's best bit of business the last time they were in the Premier League. Sam Byram, arguably still the best left back at Norwich City. <laughs> oh,
3: <In disgust. laughs>
2: Since they've signed Brandon Williams, Demetrius Unilis, Barley Mumbas even getting a start there. Well, I mean, I, I'd love to know how injured he is at the moment, but I, I remember him in the Premier League last time. He was one of Norwich City's best players in the Premier League all that time ago before he got injured in the game against Liverpool. Poor guy. I just feel sorry for him. He's still got to turn up to training every day. Yeah.
0: Well, Phil, well said. I, it's, um, I don't know where Sam Byram is at, but it, it feels like everyone around him has just gone, oh, I don't know when he's going to be fit. So it's, we don't know. And that's sort of that really, which feels really sad because he's such a lovely guy. And yeah, I know having interviewed him back at uh, like, what a year ago, two years ago, um this is the last place he wants to be. <laughs> so, um yeah, and he's had yeah. a real difficult run with his injuries. So, but you know, it's, remarkable as well to think that he hadn't actually played left back before until he played there for Norwich and then he displaced Jamal Lewis. <laughs> so was, he wasn't absolutely. even first choice when he uh, exactly.
2: basically... It was, it, was, it was only what he proved when he did come into the side. I don't think anyone expected him to. We were all focused on Jamal Lewis, who we knew was going to be a star and he got him out of the side. You know, he was he was playing really well and he's been gone ever since. So it's just a shame for a, for a young, well, young youngish footballer who was sort of looked like he was on the way to good things.
0: Hopefully, it, hopefully, somehow it comes good again. He should have scored about four goals as well. I think he had even in the Southampton game. He should have scored about three times. Yeah, that one at Villa Italia. as well. He had a really good chance at the end at Villa Park. Yeah, that. that's true. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I've got. Um, I, I just wanted to add that I've, I thought Daniel Farker got his changes pretty right on on Saturday, and actually both teams i have been quite happy with as well. It will be interesting if he starts fiddling with his shape because I think there are uh, there are interesting. Um, Uh, issues is that the right word with the four three two one at the moment I'm I'm kind of uh, curious how that um, how that shapes itself maybe as much for Tamey Pookie as anyone else like uh, like you were saying before Steve but
3: uh... he say that there's going to be some more variety in how his systems are going to happen this year
0: well, I I, I thought there would be, but so far all we've done is changed the system and then stuck to that, which wasn't quite what I was banking on. So we'll we'll see how uh, we'll see how it evolves over over the coming weeks. Maybe maybe that's what this transfer window is all about. By the way, there's a piece coming out on the Athletic on that over the coming weeks uh, or the international break. Um. Okay. Well, I think um Steve, do you reckon pick that one out? Raging success. Uh, raging, absolutely raging, raging success. He's absolutely raging at how successful that was. Um, in that case, uh, I'm going to call that half time because obviously it's half time. Uh, so let's bring out our half time sting. I mean, to be clear, this isn't half time because we've been going about 40 minutes and we, we, we aren't going to have a centrefold this week because we basically had to cover all the action and then the shenanigans of the past two days in the transfer window. So um, we are here now where we are, which is basically ahead of an international break, which um, i have not really too fussed about. To I mean, it would be interesting to see how, see how Mateus um, Norman now does uh, away with Norway, obviously, because it'll be the first time we'll watch him with eyes as Norwich City fans on him being a Norwich City player um Jolis, Chris Jolis won't be with Greece. I said he's out with a, with a calf injury. Milot Rashica is the only Norwich player that would have been scheduled to play in a red list country because Kosovo to play Georgia and still are. Um I think the plan is, I'm not sure if I've seen this confirmed anywhere yet, but I believe the plan is that Milot will join up with Kosovo, will stay in Kosovo for their two home games, but will uh, say goodbye to the rest of his squad as they go off to Georgia, which. In my mind, Phil throws up the point that his whole squad are going to Georgia and then joining him back in the same bubble. <laughs> really don't know if I want to get stuck into that, so let's just go over it yeah. and just hope everything's fine because <laughs> that's kind of what we've learned from the last two years, obviously. Um, is there anything anyone else wants to say about the international break? Who's le-
2: who's left to go training? This is what I want to know. Oh, we're, we're there, Phil. We're there. Yeah, I was going to say, what's Daniel Farker going to do? He's going to have the cones out by himself it's difficult isn't it because it is a transfer it is
0: a it is a uh you know a break where he's done pretty well in the past i've got a few stats in my head about that but I'm, I'm keeping them for this piece that's going on later in the week um but you know he has a pretty good record of his first international break and um and then likewise he must well i think in the past he's been able to bring players in that he's been able to work on for two weeks but you know that there are few players that he's really going to have that chance. I mean, I would normally have said, Steve, oh, it's okay if Teemu Pukki goes away with Finland because, you know, the new striker we brought in could probably just slot in and be ready to go. But he's going to be in the US, so he's got an even longer journey to, to comprehend in Josh Sargent. Well, I think, sorry, you go on Anna, go
3: on. I was going to say, I think it's a blessing and a curse to have so many internationals in a team because, you know, They don't get into their international team for just nothing. They've got to be doing something right. But then obviously every time they go off, everyone's like, well, don't get injured. Don't do this. Just be careful. Don't play if you can help it. So I think all of us will be watching very closely to make sure that they all come back unscathed.
1: I mean, I don't want to blow the lid on your athletic piece, but somebody actually did ask me about our record in uh international after the international break. As long it- as
0: they're the same figures, I
1: then I'm not wrong. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well one of us might be wrong. Um <laughs> well, now I can't even remember. I think it's something like it's something like and under Farker, we've played sixteen, won eleven, drawn four, and lost one after international breaks, which is quite amazing. And the one was in his first season so I, I i make us unbeaten after international breaks uh even when we're in the premier league I
0: mean, read it for yourself if you want that's for <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah that's that, that, the um, that i had as well yeah that sounds,
1: sounds about right um, and and we're not normally great before the i think we've lost more than we've won before the international break so i don't know if that's an omen or whatever for for arsenal but um yeah, he must be doing something right. When he's got the players on the training ground, so those those
0: four players that are left, he'll uh, he'll they'll be absolutely fantastic.
2: It's not even Jordan Hugill now. I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, who um, who had a very good start at West Brom, um, at least in terms of how West Brom are. I uh, spoke to our um, my colleague who covers Fulham. And he was saying how Fulham should probably walk the championship. And I must admit, it's probably worth noting just the the gap chasm between the championship and the Premier League is greater than I've ever seen uh, off the basis of last year and the Premier League campaigns, either side of it, that I've experienced. Um, does take us neatly to Arsenal, doesn't it, Anna, where, you know, they did a great job of showing just how not so awful Norwich were at Manchester City by being even worse. Uh, I mean, they... I know they spent most of the time down to ten men and they were a little bit lively in the opening exchanges Arsenal, but I mean once they can see defensively, they I thought they were worse than Norwich to be honest. They were absolutely all over the shop. And uh, well, that bodes well, doesn't it?
3: Oh, I've got this horrible thing in the back of my mind going along come Norwich. Team needs result, team plays Norwich. But <laughs> I mean I'm hoping that they don't sack their manager, until after we beat them, because then they'll be like, can't beat Norwich, see you later then. But I don't know, I just think that we've got a really good opportunity to get a result against a big team, and I just think that we need to go there and just go for it.
0: I mean, I've, I've seen this kind of result so often that, you know, Arsenal rock up. They've still got so many good players, they could quite easily just... Turn in a three four niller and, and away we go and it's like what was all the crisis about Arsenal and and oh look they have look at all these things they've done to turn it around where actually they've just turned turned Norwich over, uh, which is obviously a hideous thought. I hate that. Um, I mean, Arteta will still be in charge. I think that's been pretty much confirmed by by my colleagues. Um, so that's that's one thing. I, I mean, it does feel like an opportunity. I have to say, Phil, for, for
2: Norwich, but. I don't know how much I can, you know, give myself the room to believe it. <laughs> yeah, I feel exactly the same as you. You know, we're we're of a similar age, where you know Arsenal are Arsenal, aren't they? So you you still feel like they've they've got the players that are going to do it. You know, you said Xhaka was sent off in that game. I don't think Pepe played at all. You know, if if their stars are fit, it's always going to be an uphill battle for Norwich City. But but why not? You know, the, the, the Norwich have earned the right to be in the Premier League, and they're above Arsenal in the table. So why not? Let's just let's go for it. I'm going to miss the game that day because I've actually got to do Kings Lynn Town against Dagenham and Redbridge. So <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm going to be trying to watch it somewhere near Kings Lynn, I think, and and just I don't know. It's it's yeah. it's one that you just desperate for Norris to get off off the mark but it it, you know it's not a relegation six-pointer I don't think because you know you you would back Arsenal over the course of the season to make their way some way into mid-table but you know it would be great if it wouldn't it be a great story if it happens I think is there a is there a degree
0: Steve of this being about the team that wants to prove a point or is it just going to come down to ability I don't, I, which, we,
1: which team wants to prove a point? Both of them, I guess.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, like Norwich haven't won a game yet. They've only, they haven't only scored from open play and everyone thinks they're going to get relegated, <laughs> basically.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I'm not
1: saying yes, so I think we're going to get relegated. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly worried now because um, after what Anna said about being people who are defeatist, because um, I have a... <laughs> Horrible feeling about it. I really don't see us getting anything. And that I, that's not the way I feel about this season. I actually did feel fairly... I felt like we would get something on Saturday, which obviously we didn't. Um, but I, I just think Arsenal will have that point to prove. And I do think they've got good players. And I think they were out-muscled by Brentford and Chelsea and just purely outclassed by Man City. I just feel like we're going to be too nice to them. And I really hope I'm wrong. But I think if we allow them space, um, then they could punish us. But I completely agree with Anna's point, And I'm not normally one who's particularly sort of gung-ho for away games. I think they've just got to go for it. No fear. Go out there. See what they can do in the first 20 minutes. See if they can grab themselves a goal. Arsenal are weak defensively. I don't have if Xhaka. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Um, but I, I think that's the way they're going to win this. Or get something out of it then it's not going to be a nil-nil so you've got to go out there and see what you can do early on um but my gut instinct is that it's going to be that three or four nil that you mentioned and that's purely based on the experience what we've had in the last couple
0: of years The, the, the one thing Norwich do have this time and it's it's a funny place to go and watch football anyway because that that crowd is never never seems particularly happy ever or particularly united in my experience and it can be really quiet or they can be really grumpy that norwich have a great opportunity if they can do something early to to really make it a spicy place and it could become could become really tricky for arsenal to deal with it but norwich have got to have the gumption and the guile and like you say steve the, the strength really and bravery to be able to create that situation never mind the actual ability as well so uh yeah I think we're all in a good place after that. I think we're just sort of saying, let's be realistic and crack on, (laughs) which is, you know, what we do best. I did have a a flick through the, um, a flick through the forthcoming Premier League fixtures. And I think it's, uh, it's obviously Watford at home after Arsenal. Then it's Everton away, Burnley away, Brighton at home, and then Chelsea away, I think. So, you know, I don't want to start getting into the pick your wins out of those forthcoming fixtures, but yeah, that's the Premier League, isn't it? Nothing feels particularly uh, winnable.
1: <laughs> don't those fixtures just show you how important it is to have that physical presence in
0: midfield? Watford,
1: Everton, Burnley. I mean, those you know, Everton under Benitez, those three games, they're going to need a, a a Norman putting himself in there. That's what I'm hoping he's going to do anyway.
0: Roll out the tanks in this, 12 packs. That's yeah. the way to do it. Um, yeah. Well, that, that, that will do it really nicely, I think. Um, we haven't had a chance to check through any of the comments, um so I'm um, we could have a, we obviously had, while we are recording live on video we get we get a few comments through so
1: we've had we've had a couple of interesting ones there's one there's a couple I thought you might be able to possibly shed some light on Michael um oh, Alex yeah. what's going to happen with close a sold or mutual agreement and we did also have a question from Jeff Pool about um Poheta and what might be happening with him so I don't know if you're aware of um, any any movements with either of those
0: um so I'm not aware of any potential movements for either although it may be that they they are among potential outs i think norwich are, are at the point where tim closer isn't going to be involved so it's like what you're going to do you need to get yourself a, a club i don't think they're particularly close to doing anything in terms of a mutual you know uh, termination which would at least allow tim to sign for someone while the windows um uh closed um if they got that done before the deadline um The deadline passes, so that's potentially one option. I don't think I don't feel like there's anything particularly close, but you you never know, things might happen quickly. Um, and Poirheta, I mean, it's been really difficult for him because obviously, he's been out with the effects of COVID, which has made life quite difficult for him. I think Norwich will be keen to loan him out but i don't think they necessarily really want to sell him because he's still young and there's a bit that they m- maybe feel that they could do with him it's probably slightly different to anel hernandez's Han- situation he's gone to middlesbrough on loan but they probably would have sold him if the right deal had come along so um we'll see with shemek um but again i don't think there's anything particularly close at the moment but i am anticipating there might be the odd thing confirmed over the coming days and archie Mayer may go out on loan and things like that so we'll have to see what what happens but um yeah, uh, good questions. For the, and that, that, yeah, that was it, wasn't it? Happy days or a, another one, Steve? I can check one more. You
1: for, well, this oh, one this, might, this might be one more. might be one more for uh, Anna, or, Anna and Phil to comment yes. on. But Matthew Bell asked, "Hi, Michael, all the way over in Australia this morning. Who do you feel are going to be the losers in all of our signing activity? I I suppose the uh, he means who's who's not going to play, perhaps as a result of who's brought in today. Good question." Well, I think well, Zim-
2: Zimbo, really, I think he's the he's the big loser when it comes to centre-halves because um, Andrew Armadale is the future, isn't he? And I, and I think, you know, Daniel Farker is, you know, we know he's always gone with youth, but he, he does rate him. He really does. Otherwise, he, I think he would have gone on loan already. Um, it is possible, I suppose, he, he might go out on loan somewhere to get some more experience. But I, I guess it feels like with some of the players that have already left, a bit of a changing of the guards. And I'm not quite sure. In my opinion, Zimbo would probably be at the bottom of the pile when it comes to centre halves. I
3: was going to say I think um, it, it's it's difficult with those because as much as Farco he, he does like going with the youth, you can't just get rid of all the more experienced, older players because you need them to guide the younger ones and to lead them, as we've seen quite a few times. I mean, in, with Zimmerman. I don't think it would be a bad chance to say Absolutely. that he certainly could come in as backup should worse come to worse and we have a load of centre-back injuries again. And so uh, I think he's reliable to do that. And also, you know that he's going to be off the pitch. He's going to be an absolute leader and he seems very respected. And I just don't want him to go anywhere because he holds a very special place in my heart. Oh,
2: yeah, I don't think he's oh. going to go anywhere. But I think as far as playing time is concerned, he, he you know, hes he's probably... Further down the list now, I have to say midfield is going to be absolutely fascinating because it,
0: you you have to assume Mateus Norman is going to start as the deepest midfielder. Uh, I don't see Billy Gilmore being able to compete with him if he really is this this sort of player that we all think he is. Um, nor should he be able to because I don't think Billy's been able to prove himself in that role. Certainly not as a solo whether the two could work as a pair, potentially. Well, I, I, guess there's, there's, I guess there's an option to move Billy slightly higher up the pitch, which I think is something I've spoken about before. But then you've then only got one other position. Kenny McLean looks far more athletic at the moment than Pierre-Les Malou from what I've seen. And, and Pierre seems to have quality, but I think he's just maybe struggling with the intensity at the moment, but maybe has the potential to reach it. So, and also then has a lot of experience. So that if it's only going to be three in that central midfield... That's fascinating, off the back of Norman's arrival, Sorry, Anna, you were going to say?
3: Well, like you mentioned, I saw a few suggestions of maybe putting Billy a bit further forward, give him a chance to attack some more. And I think that with the depth that we've got in our squad now, is Farker, is he going to stick with his usual way of having the same team week in, week out? Or do you think maybe now... Given how many plays he's got, he might like, switch
0: it up when it needs to. That is an amazing question, <laughs> and I think we will find out. To be honest, because I wouldn't want to even second guess that. And I think it's a lovely point at which to end, so that everyone can spend the international break thinking about what they would do. Um, brilliant stuff. Thank you for all your comments and questions on the live video. If you're listening to this on the podcast, we do um, we do most weeks broadcast the podcast live on on my social media channels so if you want to get involved then do so likewise we may even do a full q and a version uh, over the coming weeks as well but That is it. That is time for the 78th edition of On the Ball, the Norwich City podcast that could probably do with a a bit of sleep. Uh, If you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we are now streaming the recording of the podcast live, as I mentioned, in video form on my social media channels. Just search Michael Bailey, The Athletic Norwich City, and your preferred social platform. And hopefully, all being well, it will show up. Uh, Ratings and reviews whenever prompted are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, send me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. J. Bailey mentioning the podcast. Um, But that is it. A a big thank you to our wonderful guest tonight. Steve, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Phil, um, well done. Good to see you. What a superstar. Anna, what a wonderful debut. Well done. Did you enjoy it?
3: Absolutely. hoping this isn't a first
0: and last. Uh, Well, I was going to say, will you come on again?
3: Of course. I love
0: it. See? Nailed it. Brilliant stuff. Well done, Anna. Top work. Uh, We will be back in two weeks for loads more Canaries Carry On in another On The Ball. I've got to stop laughing after that bit. Uh, Another On The Ball Norwich City podcast uh, as we do take a break during the international break. Until then, never mind the danger. and we're clear well that was a seamless end as i uh, forgot to play the video at the end i got excited and carried away with myself um steve phil anna all you twitters out there welcome to wit's end if any of you have stumbled across this for the first time and are wondering what the hell is going on and why the podcast hasn't actually ended Listen to On The Ball podcast number 42, which went live on September the 8th, 2020. We're almost at the the first birthday of this. Uh, It's all explained there. Anyway, uh, you can email this bonus part of the podcast directly. Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S at iCloud.com or use the hashtag Twitterkers on Twitter. Just don't explain what it refers to because this is a secret club for only ye who discover it, Um, which we all have. Uh, Steve, bold move not to go with and we're clear last week.
1: Uh, I can't even remember what I did say. I no, just knew I didn't that. want to say, and we're clear, because I <laughs> thought that would be – you might have some sort of copyright down on that. I just wanted to – um, because you mentioned Anna's baseball jacket earlier, I wanted to I – know, I know that obviously our listeners can't see this, but um, Phil, Mr. Phil Daly is, is wearing a hoodie with – what looks like daily written. On the oh God, front.
0: it's got
2: your name so, on it,
1: Phil. I just wondered if Phil, if everything Phil wears has his name on it or if this, this is just a special piece of attire.
2: <laughs> no, you were you right the first time. Yes, they all do, just in case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know <who> I am? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: this, this looks like football training wear, Phil. It is. Yeah, this is um, Sporting Longdale, oh. uh, Sunday League team hoodie from circa about 15 years ago ripped apart but you know still got a lot of love for sporting longdale reserves.
1: <laughs> that makes a lot <laughs> more sense now thank you really? yeah.
0: i mean i always i always played on a sunday because i couldn't really handle the competitive nature of a saturday Best yes, league in been. the world michael what are you talking about it's <laughs> <laughs> got to be said um, and that's good dressing like a new dad there phil i fully appreciate that so that's a good word I, I'm, I'm just wow. dressed
2: that's, yes that's, yeah. that's, that's all that matters <laughs> what
0: more does anyone want for a live video never mind audio dulcet well, if, tones if
1: you if you look like matthias norman apparently you don't need to
0: wear any clothes i think that was what you're yeah. insinuating in earlier michael so. <laughs> i think I, I stand by my previous statement um now we did have uh, we did have an email um which i've got ready it was from chandler Els Becker, hello Chandler, hope all's good. He sent that email to twitikers at iCloud.com. Make sure you will send that uh, to us as well because then you can uh, obviously get in touch with us here on this section of the pod. Um, uh, He was uh, saying, Michael and company, I'm I'm, I'm a little weeks late on this, but felt obligated to note that not every podcast concerning Norwich has had to take its title from the words to on the ball city, which was something we mentioned. Um, The first I listened to, was john and dan's little yellow bird podcast mm. and as far as i know someone other than me listened to it that's true i used to listen to it whatever happened to them what happened what i don't know that? really hope they all right. Mm. Uh, he says i still sing and somewhere that's not norwich in my head in regard to away games i don't remember that bit but we'll have to ask john and dan about that next time we're on um, and then he said some nice words so yeah thanks chanda um but uh, yeah so there we go um That's good. That's good. uh, Good to know. It's a good. We we poached them in the end because they, you know, didn't didn't want to do it, and we thought we'd have them. So that was a success. Anyway, um, (laughs) that that almost sounded like sarcastic the way you said that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a it's a personal weakness that I say things sincerely (laughs) that sounds sarcastic. I must admit. Um, Any 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 random stuff anyone wants to bring up uh, before we 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 dis off? um, Can I I, can I bring up something? Um,
1: the half time entertainment. Um, we appear to have just given up on that now. It's like tamper time. Should we just do a quiz? Um, you know, <laughs> what even what happens to like zorbing or you know, even kicking the ball to the center circle. So um
3: oh, can I bring up something on that?
1: Go on then, come on then, Anna. I just I was opinions was on this.
3: One of the questions on there. Was who scored the winning goal against Leicester the last, last time we played them? I think everybody should know that. The, the guy, when oh. went oh, that, was James Lewis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was thinking, who's James Lewis? That should be someone. Is he like, a, you know,
0: is he a star actor or something like that? I think I remember like the name. Thing is, though, did they give it to him?
1: no no, <laughs> no they, okay they, they well they didn't. could have done
0: they could have gone well, yes that's close enough no i think um, um, dan dan win was very quite well, scathing no, no.
1: Yeah. Thing, the
0: name <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> what are you doing yeah. here if you don't know that question um, um that's so good thought... because i i sorry Steve, i i sort of have to, i disappear into the press room to definitely not get just a hot drink and a cake but to obviously catch the tv stuff and have a conversation with people so i sort of missed the halftime on a uh, uh, sort of entertainment and then come back out while it's in full flow and I I sort of picked up oh they're just asking questions about Norwich versus Leicester and and some of them felt a bit like oh that that's not a good memory (laughs) why would all the Norwich fans want to know that so I got a bit confused but yeah sorry carry on well I
1: just I wanted to know what would people like to see as the halftime entertainment, if we could have anything. I what mean impressive. I always liked the crossbar challenge and that was audience. Yeah. Kind of yes. yes, right. So maybe bring that back. But I don't know if there's any like novelty ones like I don't know, some kind of royal rumble in the center circle. That would be fun for 15 <laughs> minutes, wouldn't it? What just just let I don't know if anyone's got any thoughts. Maybe get Delia out there again, we we'll her are out. No. You
0: know.
2: Thank you. Um, <laughs> well,
0: I, I, I guess the ground the grounds the grounds men and women uh don't like people on the pitch more yeah, than they have now,
2: do you know what while we're talking about this i've always had an issue with this right okay, here we go <laughs> right. what, why is there an issue of someone wearing like trainers being on the pitch when in a few minutes time 22 men with studs are going to kick the hell out of each other okay it's sliding challenge <laughs> sliding on their knees when they score yeah oh no you're going on there in some smart shoes you're going to damage the pitch Come Is there on, a
1: story man. here, Phil? Is there a story? <laughs> like you tried to get on the pitch and smart sheet. Sort
2: of pitches exactly. I play on have got broken bottles and dog poo. So, you know, I'm. you know, <laughs> that, that,
0: I've never seen Phil un- uncoil as quickly as just then. <laughs> that was like your moment, Phil. You were ready to go. I for just that. don't understand it um yeah i wonder you know maybe some zorbing that was always fun i've done zorbing it's hideous to do but much more funny to watch uh, i mean Millwall walls seem to do this thing where um well they do lots of things you wouldn't want to do but this thing they did was um a, a sort of a relay race with kids supporters around the perimeter of the pitch oh, and they always seem to pair it up so there was like a uh, a three-year-old away fan kid having to run the last leg against some 12-year-old teenager so obviously will always won that was what seemed to Brilliant happen idea. I mean Love something that. that Norwich could could fix so that at the start of the second half everyone is pumped because we don't want to see the Sheffield United defeat again do we you know we want to see everyone pumped because the halftime entertainment actually doubled up as a massive motivational exercise QPR,
1: I, I think it was QPR. It was definitely an away game I went to a few years ago. Did uh, like the dizzy penalties thing you do? You know when you like put your head on a pole yes. and spin around ten times, and you have to go and you have to go and score a goal. That was fantastic because essentially you're just laughing at um somebody, who's, uh, some middle-aged bloke who's who's like right, I'm gonna get on the pitch. This is gonna live my dream. And then it, it all goes horribly wrong because they fall over before they even get to the ball. Or something. That yep. is
0: a, oh, yeah. well, we used to do that at mustard TV back in the day. And that was great fun. We used to, we used to get local, uh, all the sort of non-league teams to, to do it in a competition with each other. And that was loads of fun. So yeah, they yeah. should, they should do that. Carapitch. I mean, I wonder if there's something they could do maybe with the players who aren't in the match day squad. I've got oh, to know, I've Wheel got them out and get them to do something hilarious oh, on
2: the pitch. I'm not that one. I, I think it might be <laughs> not that one. <laughs> well, no, no, this is much less dignified. Um, <laughs> I think this it might be in baseball, where there is um, at one of the, the, the grounds. I don't know what you call it, a baseball ground. You have like um, someone who is a sprinter, and a member, a fan comes on and has to try and beat them in a race, but they get like half the distance head start. Yeah. Shemi Poketta not in the starting <laughs> lineup. Yeah, you got to do it up at the pitch. COVID- you get half the, <laughs> half the lap head start. You've got to beat him in a race.
0: Win a, a, a trip to
3: Tampa. That's great.
0: COVID-stricken <laughs> Shemek. Because if he's not got enough on his plate, he's gonna, you, you're going to get a 200-meter head start and see if you can beat him in a sprint. Love that. Yeah. But hey, you know what? If it gets the Barkley roaring, then I think uh, we could do. I mean, I, maybe live projection of the of the scenes inside the home dressing room. Imagine that. Just a video with all the sound, so we all get to listen to the
3: half I've always teams. wanted to know because I've what just bring that up. I've always wanted to know what goes on in there because Farfrey seems like a man who keeps it all very calm on the surface, but some you know it's just kind of bubbling under there. So I, I just want to know, does he ever go absolutely mad at them in the dressing room?
0: He is he's I mean, that was the one thing about all of the behind closed doors football I watched, some of it quite close to the dugout, and Phil may appreciate this as well, but he is so lovely to talk to so often. When he's in the technical area, he is miserable and angry. I mean, he's a really miserable, angry man. And the amount of times he turns around, you know, muttering, if not swearing, is remarkable. So, um, so yeah. We can't
3: forget one, the throw-in one in moment. Game. One of my favourite moments from
0: him. the, uh, the uh, Yes, the Dimitri Yanulis impression <laughs> <laughs> will go down in, in history. Um, um, yeah. I think uh, I think that's probably a good note to end the podcast on. Um, I do have to ask this. I mean, if anyone wants to get in touch with any of this stuff, by the way, um, you know how to get us. You can email us, um, which is Twitterkers at icloud.com you just send a tweet with the hashtag twitter don't have to tag it for seeing we'll we'll pick it up don't worry uh, make sure you check out uh, the the website of course twitter.co.uk it's been such a busy deadline day transfer window i haven't had a chance to check in on the website so apologies to the guys there but i'm looking forward to having a look at that once everything's a bit more normal the other side of the international break that'll be grand so check that out twitter.co.uk anyone got uh any other business no. i think so which is fine. Um, we'll let Kenny rest. He's got a busy weekend, of course, um, up, on, ongoing with Scotland. So therefore, it just leaves me to say, uh, everyone, can you just say goodbye on three, please? One, two, three. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Look at that. That was absolutely seamless. Uh, and I'm going to say goodbye from them there. And I'm going to mute them all. And that's the way that that rolls. Um, thanks to all the guys. Um, remember, get in touch with us on, on Witsend. Uh, send us an email. But other than that, thanks for listening to the pod. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. That's a rope.